Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 takes her heroes through time for a story set in feudal Japan. They must rescue April, find their way home, and somehow survive in a world with no pizza in sight. Let's see if Turtles 3 lives down to its less than stellar reputation. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. You were expecting maybe the Adams family? I knew that was going to be the line. I knew that's the one you were going to pick. As soon as he said it, I went, that is the line David's using. Oh, you're so you predictable. figured it out faster than me. I was, I was sitting <laughs> debating it for like 10 minutes. Oh, it was the obvious choice. Welcome everyone to the movie podcast. And we are working through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. We're doing all the live action movies now. We're doing the, two of the animated movies, including the new one later in the year. This is the third of the 90s trilogy. It is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And we'll get into it. We'll start spoiler free as we always do. The premise of this one is a bit wackier. Uh, the turtles get swapped with some feudal Japan era uh, characters and travel Samurai. through time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, as does April. And they're in the early 1600s and try to find their way back home. Whilst also helping with the, the locals and the it's not quite seven samurai-esque but in the sense that there's like a village in trouble and there's an evil person and they're going to help blah 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 you you can get the gist of it probably from just thinking about it for two seconds so that's that's uh (laughs) what the premise is uh this one has a reputation not that people consider the second one high art or anything but i think anyone who grew up in the 90s and talks about these movies they tend to talk about the third one with a little bit more disdain and it tends to come up, you know, whenever there's this sort of like, you know, the the third movies usually suck, right? Most movies fall apart when you get to the third entry. Mm. Um, this, this is often brought up as one of the prime examples. So it'll be very curious to see from your perspective, given that you had never seen any of these movies before uh, this, <laughs> this series of working through them, uh, to see how you feel. But uh, let's find out. David, what did you think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3? Well, um, I don't think there's any way to say this besides just saying it. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I might have liked it more than number two. <laughs> I I know. I th- I feel like I'm about to be blasted for Ooh. that opinion. But oh, spacey. I I I. I recognize the plot is far more generic i recognize that the animatronics they are no longer apparently being done by the henson company they were mm. taken over by a different and dear lord they did something do, 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 the thing, it, do the thing is the old part of the yeah. movie when you see them just dancing it looks fine because they're not talking so you're like mm-hmm. oh the suits still look good the last movie and then they start talking and it just plummets you're like oh no yeah. what's wrong with exactly. the mouths so I recognize that there are obvious downsides to this movie, but I think that in spite of the turtles, I enjoyed the plot more in this movie than I did the plot of the last movie. Because the last movie, as we said, it was pretty meandering. It didn't really have much of a focus on what it wanted to do. It had like four or five different things going on. This one felt a lot tighter and every time that they wanted to do an offshoot for characterization, it still felt related to the central plot rather than something else entirely. So 
I do think that I enjoyed this ever so slightly more in a viewing experience than the last one. Very interesting. This is all very, very fascinating. We're going to dig, dig into this. I, yeah, I can kind of see some of your points there and understand why maybe on a sort of objective level a few things are are, are better. Uh, but the plot being as generic as it is really is a bit of a hindrance. Yeah. It, it always was when I was a kid because it always just kind of feels like like you've got this really generic villain and the actor's like chewing scenery every time he talks uh and you've got this like you know they do use like a lot of bits of the cues from the last movies there's less of them this time but they're still in the music but there's this particular cue for the villain that plays like 50 million times over the course of this movie and it's the most generic like the composer sat down at a keyboard and did like a little synth thing with four notes and it plays constantly throughout this film anytime anything evil happens like yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess after a while I just blocked it out. I was like, oh, the villain must be around. There he is. All right, moving on. Yeah, I suppose you're just a big fan of Wet Wellies, and that's why you like this one so much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's it's my favorite form of torture. Um, <laughs> but no, the one line that you said there was the villain choose scene- scenery. You say that, but my mind only goes back to the second movie of Their Babies. And is it really chewing the scenery any more than Shredder did in the second movie? <sighs> At least he's still Shredder. This guy's like generous yeah. Englishman, right? Like the, the the scene that always sticks out to me because he's he's, he's kind of chewing the scenery and villainous this first time you see him. But there's a scene where he meets April for the first time, and he's sort of like calling her bluff because she's trying to pretend that she's got magic powers because she's from right. the future, and. He does this thing where he kind of snaps certain shouts at her, like mid sentence. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh god, like I, like I'd forgotten about this, but it all came flooding back, like in, in a moment. Because you know, despite the fact that this movie sucks, like I saw it a lot as a kid. Because mm. when you're a kid, you rewatch all the movies you've got over and over oh, again, regardless of how good or bad they are. Um, and it just it came flooding back, and I'm like, oh, he, oh yeah, this guy, oh this, you know, and I just yeah, I. So, and there's a lot of things I think, you know, have always bothered me about it, you know, and again, so I'm, I'm going, this is less as a film critique thing and more as a, like, as a, my, my childhood disappointment with the movie is, yeah. it felt, it feels like Casey Jones is just, he's just there for comic relief in the background, you know, he's so separate from everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels weird to me, again, watching it now, that other than just sitting next to each other in one scene towards the end, Casey and April never share any time together, so they never like reference the fact that hey, we kind of became a couple at the end of the first movie, but we're never going yeah. to talk about it or or address it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so that's there. Uh, something that's more of an adult complaint than a kid complaint is that this one feels like really heavy on the pop culture references. I mean, you opened with the Adams Family reference. Yeah. Uh, there's a Wayne's World reference at one point where they start going swing because April had, legs yeah, up. Yeah. Okay. If we're just gonna mention the swing thing, yeah. like. <laughs> I've seen Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. I know what Schwing means. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that in this kid's film? Because they assume the kids just won't understand it, and that's okay. Okay, that, sure. That's, they get away with it because kids won't understand. I guess, but I mean, the, all I imagine then is some kid who doesn't know what it means. He sees the turtles do it, and he's like, Mom, Mom, Schwing! And it's like, oh... Billy, no. But, but yeah, but the parent only know that after seeing Wayne's World because it's, it's very specific to Wayne's World. It's not like a general, I guess, thing. You know. 
So I guess it's him running up to the cool uncle, being like, hey, hey, Uncle Bob, swing! And he's, Bob's like, what <clears throat> Billy! This is no different than 10-year-old me saying suck it to everyone and doing crotch chops because of wrestling. <laughs> I'm st- I-, I still think that's not good. That's not... <laughs> You're saying that as if it's like, yeah, that was a normal thing. No, oh, it was a normal thing. Plus me, trust me, kids, uh, the 1998 to 2000 period, a lot of them got in trouble at school for saying suck it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I assume so. <laughs> This was also the era of Bart Simpson. Uh, that as is well. true. So um, I, I recognize that we did not have the best influences, but I feel like Turtle should be safe from that. Yeah. Funny you bring up Bart, because Bart was actually referenced heavily in the last movie. We never brought it up. Uh, yeah. They, was, they were holding a glass with Bart Simpson on it for like an extended period of time. <laughs> uh, no Bart references in this, but references to a lot of other things. Adam's family might feel like an old reference, but the new movie, the 90s movies, would have been new at the time. The first yep. one would have been out, and the second one would have been out maybe the same year as this, I want to say. So, uh, yeah, roundabout. So that would have been um, pretty contemporary at the time. Yeah, there was other references to, let's see here, uh, obviously you said Wayne's World, there was a Quantum Leap reference. Oh, I don't know if I caught that. Uh, it was just when they jumped into the, when they time traveled, he was yeah, like, talk yeah. about your Quantum Leap. Uh, they referenced Star Trek. They referenced uh, that, Blue Hawaii yeah. of Elvis. They referenced, strangely enough, especially for this show, uh, Clint Eastwood and I think it was Sudden Impact. Do you, do you know the thing is? The Clint Eastwood reference, right? Because obviously in the past, it's when Mikey sees the, the villain for the first time because he's like an English guy on a horse and he's got a hat mm-hmm. on. He's not quite a cowboy, but Mikey's comparing him to a cowboy. And he calls mm-hmm. him Clint Eastwood. Or he goes, Clint Eastwood? Nah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a reference more to Back to the Future 3 than it is to Clint Eastwood himself. As strange as that sounds. Because Back to the Future 3 was out in 90... Just 90. Just 1990, right? So it's only it's quite new. And a big part mm-hmm. of that movie is that Marty calls himself Clint Eastwood because no one in that time period will get that it's you know, who that is. Right. So, so he tries to get away with it. And I'm, I think- I'm, going, I'm going to counter with that of uh, later on in the movie the bad guy pulls a gun and Leo says, go ahead, punk, make my day. It can be a reference to both, but I do <laughs> think the fact that Back to the Future 3 is the big time travel movie that just came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, I could uh, see it. You know, I, I think there's a little intentional thing there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's really heavy, heavy on the references. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was numerous others that I... The only other one I yeah. caught, and I actually had to rep- see it, is at one point Michelangelo uh, goes into a burning building to save someone. And oh, I got this out, one. That's a backdraft reference. Yeah, and he says, Kurt Russell, eat your heart out. And I was like, wow, I'm sure that was really contemporary at the time, but nowadays, what? Yeah, again, Kurt Russell, backdraft, that would have been about 91, mm-hmm. 90, maybe. So very re- you know, very, very recent and when this movie came out. Right. So there's a lot of that. I just happen to know what backdraft is, so I got that reference. <laughs> um, yeah, so very reference heavy, which, mm-hmm. you know, the humor, like, in some ways it's even cartoonier than the second one. It is, but I think what was holding it back in the second one, as we spent a long time on, was they didn't, they purposely cut down on the violence. They made it so it was all cartoon violence the whole time. And while mm-hmm. they did have a cartoony humor in this one, they at least had normal violence. And yes, it had, it had like some sound effects to it and they were doing like stupid pranks and stuff in the middle of the fight, but they still, Mikey swung his nunchucks. He did. That, that, that did indeed happen during this movie. 
they all at least kind of use their weapons, although never mm-hmm. that much. You know, they'll hold them, they'll swing them a little bit. Yeah, they never uh, use them fatally, as yeah. they never really have, but... I mean, there's a couple of okay moments with the weapons. You know, Raph, like, deflects an arrow at one point, or, you know, it stops mm-hmm. an arrow from being fired at one point with his sigh. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of... It, I think the fights in this, well, they are better, I think, technically than the second movie in that they actually feel like there's fighting happening. So that's mm-hmm. a plus. Um, they still completely lack any sort of sense of, like, threat that the first movie had oh, when yeah. the foot were attacking them. Because you know, that felt quite dark. It felt like, oh, there's actual danger here. And this, like, it, it almost became kind of comical. Every time there was a fight, there was just, like, legions of more, like, samurai to like, come out of a door to fight them. Right. You know, that happened multiple times in this. Yeah, so. for me, it was the... Uh the power rangering where it was they punch a guy in the stomach and mm. he's not dead he's not unconscious but he has to stay away from the fight going oh, oh <laughs> until it's time for him to attack again yep yep that's fair uh, on the cast we have cory feldman back as donatello interestingly yeah uh, we have a yeah another actor is raf mm-hmm. uh leonardo and makey are the same actors uh, it's, I didn't actually check this one, but it sounds like a different Splinter. Splinter sounded a bit... Uh, I think so. Yeah, he was a bit more generic sounding to me mm-hmm. in this one. Uh, we have Elias Kateas back as Casey Jones, and also yep. played a character in the past, which I guess is meant to be his ancestor. They never released. Yeah, I, I, that's one... When we get to the plot, that's one trivia thing that I want to see your opinion on in terms okay. of ancestor. Interesting, interesting. Uh, we do have the actress who played April in the second movie back for this one, so... Mm-hmm cool uh sure wilson plays the villain walker who is this englishman who is trying to sell his guns and cannons to the uh you know the local japanese like lord who's in charge and he's a big part of the plot yeah he's a big part of the plot as well because the his son the prince or whatever you want to call him he's Mm -hmm. in love with the the head of the rebels and she's a big part of the plot as well there's a lot of things going on here we'll get into in the plot but uh we have all these these characters kind of uh around but that's basically everyone who's prominent yeah. and important mm-hmm. um i will say you know I, I one thing i do appreciate about watching this again after having watched the other two is that this one if anything make it gets the most in terms of character focus yeah it really was i i mean there's a little bit of wrath but for the most part it is mikey's story by the yeah. time you hit the second to third act and given that the last one was mostly donnie with a bit of wrath mm-hmm. and the first one was mostly wrath with a bit of leo that's actually mm-hmm. kind of and they spread amongst the turtles. I feel like if there was a fourth, it would have been the Leo movie, but... <laughs> Sadly, this one did not make as much money, and I can't blame the people of 1993 for uh, for no. not going out to see it. Um, man, 1993, what, what a year. That's when I was born. Tur- tur- I mean, you were born, Turtles 3, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> So many. It's really just the best of everything all at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know I appreciate that it, it tried to give Mickey some focus. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got just the general hijinks of, uh, you know, when they go back to the past, a bunch of, uh, it's just like the honor guard for the Lord are all transported. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always someone that swaps with the people traveling back. So you get mm-hmm. Casey and Splinter babysitting some uh, Japanese men from the 1600s. And yep. present day and it's really just a series of jokes about hey look at a tv oh look at hockey look at these things from the modern world you don't understand yeah both of both the plots in this movie are essentially just fish out of water 
but mm. then the turtles eventually get accustomed and they're like okay we'll deal with whatever the plot is here in ancient japan but then whenever we cut back to modern times they just keep going with the fish out of water plot where they're like hey check out what hockey means and they're like oh yeah it's just comedy which, which yeah. is fine like it's the b plot <laughs> like I, I i mean you say that are you not disappointed that casey did not get more violence no, I am. Like, that's one of the first things I said, is that Casey is a fun character, and it's a shame that, oh, it's cool, he's back after not being the second one. We had to deal with Dilly Kino in the last one. We get mm -hmm. Casey back, and, like, the only time he really does anything is when he tries to play hockey with them, and that's just him reacting to what they do. He doesn't really <laughs> actually do anything. Yeah. And I like Elias Cateus as an actor. It really feels like he was phoning this in, because it's kind of a nothing, thankless role. See, yes, I agree for the Casey side of things, but he double-billed in this movie, and I feel like him playing the old-timey ancestor version, he actually did put the effort into. I mean, that's fair, although I would argue that uh, his attempt at an English accent was a little wow. lackluster, shall Accents we Accents notwithstanding, I can't <laughs> help that. <laughs> It's like he's surely trying to do an accent, but every so often there'd be a line where you just like you didn't even try that line. That line mm -hmm. was just in your normal accent, dude. We did. <laughs> so Which that is one thing in this movie that they did like a half hearted attempt at where they explained, Oh, these people in Japan, they know English because at this point there was already a trading route with the English, mm -hmm. so they had to, you know, they learned the language or whatever. And I'm willing to accept that for a while, but then we get introduced to children. Mitsu. Yeah, children and Mitsu. Uh, the children who just are straight up just talking like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'm like, all right, well, kid, there's sure. A, there's a scene where a child is yelling for help because there's a fire. And I'm like, yes. why are you yelling in English? Surely you would be in your own, uh, your own language if you're in like, danger and you're but, panicking. But even, even ignoring that, the one that got me the most, because those are kids. I'm willing to write off a lot for the fact that they're kids. But the the fact that Mitsu, our female lead, barring April more or less, is not even trying to put on any sort of Japanese accent. She's just American, just mm. talking with what I consider to be no accent, but clearly is just an American accent. Yeah. In it's the 1600s, before America was a thing. It's weird when Americans say that, because even America has a lot of different accents that you kind of yeah, have to notice. It's like, she, if you go to Minnesota, you're going to notice they're all speaking in a funny voice. Come on. Yes, I understand. And there's Southern <laughs> and there's, you know, all that extra stuff. However, there is just sort of the generic. The the one that you always see in, like, sitcoms and stuff when it's just a normal character. <laughs> is this what you consider yourself to have? Oh no, I'm deep south. Can't you hear my drawl? <laughs> well, actually, I have generic American. Yep. Hello, I would like to order one cheeseburger. <laughs> there you go. I am Microsoft Sam. <laughs> I would like to order a cheeseburger. Yeah. The all of America based their accents off Microsoft Sam. That's why we went such a boom in the '90s. <laughs> yeah, I mean. There is differences though, like um, even just like meeting some Americans that I know for the first time last year in person mm -hmm. is that all of a sudden they sounded different from what I hear on Skype. So there is a genuine difference to hearing an accent in person and what you hear on that's a recording. Uh, I, I guess it's similar to when you hear your own voice and you go, that's what I sound like. 
And yeah. I think it isn't really that you sound like that. It's that that's what your recorded voice sounds like. In the same way that hearing someone else recorded sounds different when you hear them in real life. Because I, I thought that about both, uh, especially Tara, but Tim even. Like, mm. you know, there was, if, it was like, you sound more American than normal. Okay, but see, that's exactly what I'm saying. What does that mean? It means a thicker American accent. There isn't an accent. You may deny there's one, but there's one. No, but I'm saying, I said you would see it as an American accent. That's what I'm saying. But it's not South. It's not Minnesota. It's just the generic one that America is represented as. <laughs> okay, sure. But and it's that's not... what this Japanese woman in the 1600s had in this movie. I'm not debating that's what she had. I'm just saying that that's still an accent. It's not no accent. <laughs> Fair. Yes. I'm not arguing that either. I just said from my perspective, it's not an accent. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, so you say it's not like I look at other Scottish people and go, "You don't have an accent." Of course they do. I hear a Scottish no, yeah. accent. Everyone in Scotland has a Scottish accent, but that's because they're not America. We are the center of the world. Uh, isn't the UK the center of the world? Like in terms of actual, you gave up your empire. <laughs> like in terms of how the maps laid out, and like I'm sure, I'm sure there's something to this. There's actually. Geographically, the, the, the center, the prime meridian, yeah, is close by. Something like that. I don't know. Not that yeah. I give a shit. That, this so, is more. This is more about taking it from you than actually having it. I don't. I was gonna say, <laughs> you just want me to be all embarrassed that I said something that's American centric. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so there was a turtles movie. I guess we just get out of the spoilers. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if I have much um, more to say without diving into I, what the movie's got. The only to. things I want to bring up in terms of before spoilers are this movie apparently is the only movie out of the trilogy that did not have a theme song written for it. Okay. And as such, we talked about last movie that the soundtrack was like a real focus for them, something they were trying to push hard. I'm wondering what caused the flip. Because clearly the ninja rap sold platinum. There's no way it didn't. <laughs> so why did they all of a sudden in this movie say, nah, we don't really need any extra music? That's a good question. Because I, I would have suggested that, yeah, maybe the, the last soundtrack didn't sell as well, so they didn't, they didn't bother this time. But, I mean, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like, if, if the ninja rap did well, if, if the soundtrack for Turtles 2 did, did reasonably well. I mean, well, I, I don't know that it did, but I can't imagine that Vanilla Ice would put out a bomb that doesn't make any sense to me i i would have to assume it underperformed and that's why they didn't bother this time but i mean i could be wrong I mean, yeah. yeah it's not that much time later you know like, turtles 2 was rushed out after turtles 1 this is mm-hmm. two years after turtles 2 so you know we're only th- three years removed from the first movie like like in time not much has changed like this is actually right. kind of absurd how quickly these three movies came out when you think about you know, modern sequels and how long it is between some of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- this is a very quick turnaround. Uh, so, I don't know, may- maybe it's just a simple case of they had a smaller budget and a smaller budget means not paying some big artist to write a song for you. you know, maybe yeah, it's that I, simple. Did, I did see that apparently the um, company basically thought like, yeah, we're, I, we're probably on the tail end of Turtle Mania here. So I think they said it was a budget of only 16 million. No, 17 mm. million. So very small, very low expectations going into the third one. Which is kind of sad because, you know, I feel like, you know, I'll criticize Hollywood for, for a lot of things these days, but 
I think the assumption today would be that you try to reignite Turtle Mania with your third movie, rather than saying, oh, we're accepting this is dead, so we'll only put in half effort and just get a little bit of bank back before it's completely gone. I have to imagine that Hollywood, when they started making the movies, genuinely had no idea why Turtles was actually working. They were like, <laughs> Probably. Uh, sure, yeah, let's go to movie, yeah, why not? But then by the time it hit this point, they're like, they had they would love to reignite it, but they had no idea what ignited it in the first place. Because I think like, obviously there's a lot of bad examples, but there's so many like movies that try to be these soft reboots to reignite a franchise. We see mm. it with Terminator, we see it with Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was kind of successful. Terminator has never managed to reignite. <laughs> we see it with Star Wars. We see it yeah. with Terminator. We see it with uh, Terminator. We see it with Terminator. Uh, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, like like a lot of these examples aren't very good, and I'll complain about nostalgia sequels and all that. But I think that at least there's an attempt that they're trying to like make it a big thing again. So it's kind of sad that with this Turtles trilogy, the company just kind of threw in the towel and went, let's just squeeze out a little bit of rush money, whatever we can, before the, the teeth is dry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's all it is. So you get this movie that is, you know, underwhelming. It feels like a direct-to-video sequel. It's just, it just happened to be released theatrically. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I would have put the last one on a direct-to-video level as well. I don't think it really had as much big-time quality behind it to say that it was always destined to be theatrical. I mean, that's fair, except you had Vanilla Ace. You don't, you don't get a big song by a popular artist in a direct-to-video movie. I'm going to look up Vanilla Ice's <laughs> IMDb and see how many times it says direct-to-video. Because I have to imagine it's more than 50% of them. Well, yeah, but not at this time. Like, later he would be directed video. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But in his pinnacle when he was a name. <laughs> yeah. Whatever movie career he's had, like, when he started dwindling down, yeah, that's a completely different thing. I mean, mm -hmm. hell, Bruce Willis was a movie star who was in blockbusters, who was in successful movies, but you look at his last 15 years and you'll find nothing but directed video trash. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so... You know, that, that, that just it, it goes that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. But all right, let's get into the the movie as all it right. is. We, we start off, uh, so spoilers, if that wasn't clear. Uh, we start mm -hmm. off in Japan. We get this, you know, this, the, the rising sun, you know, this this very spectacular looking shot. It almost fills you into thinking there's like, some visual style in this movie. It's all gone it, after this opening couple of shots. <laughs> it, it did fool me. I was sitting there. They were riding at sunrise on the beach, slow motion horses. I was like, my word. <laughs> they've, they've turned this franchise around and then as soon as they're off the beach it looks like the set of like the third sequel to willow <laughs> yeah it's just any any scene in the forest you've ever yep. seen basically and it just introduces it teases a couple of characters there's not a lot of context in this scene for it though you sort of learn later on like who this woman is um and who this you know it turns out to be the prince that uh, the, the honor guard are chasing down to bring him back to his father the lord um lord and uh, norinaga is his name norinaga got it so uh but we cut back to you know the abandoned subway station the den as they call it and we see mm. the turtles and we get them doing the dance from breakfast club amongst other things <laughs> they really love that breakfast club dance they did it like four times in this movie <laughs> They didn't start in the end. I don't remember if they really did it anywhere else. All right, a little bit of exaggeration. Though I do want to point out that uh, last movie, I made mention of how the first movie did a very good job of building up the title 
and then the second movie it felt kind of lackluster this one i swear they just forgot to put in the like film a shot for the title to oh, go yeah. on it's just it's just a quiet shot of the den and then they just kind of like start dancing and, and the music mm-hmm. starts but yeah the title has no fanfare whatsoever it's really weird yep. really really strange but uh so april is going on vacation and mm-hmm. she's to make good to the turtles because they're going to miss her she's bought them a bunch of crap at a flea market so the movie kicks off with her giving them all weird presents like she gives donnie an old radio that he can work on and tinker with mm. gives mikey a lampshade for a joke yeah i i don't <laughs> think mikey got it either i think he turned yeah. it into a joke but i think she was like ah sure here's something mikey's weird um, he, he likes one something thing, one, one thing to point out of what did happen this opening is Raphael is very angry that they have to live in secret and nobody knows who they are so i'm guessing they end of turtles 2 just got written off like they were like yes those were actually men in costume that's a very good point it's a very good point uh leonardo gets a book about blades or, or knives or something i mean it doesn't matter (laughs) <laughs> i don't know he was holding it out. could literally just be porn and it's like yeah sure that's just as important to the plot moving on well he's a teenage boy after all yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but one of the things she got for splinter was this uh they call it i mean the joke this is an egg timer i think later on they call it a scepter or something like that but mm. it's it's like a lantern like I, I don't, well, why are they calling it anything but a lantern because that's what it is because there's no light in it, it there's a little it, harry potter time turner thing going on it lights up when the time travel stuff starts. Fair, but that's not because of a light bulb. <laughs> True. So basically, because someone picks this up in the past in Japan, and April's mm. holding it, she switches places with the the Lord's son, right? And he's there. And what's interesting is that when they swap, they end up wearing each other's clothes. So. Yes. Good job April was wearing something a bit more uh, neutral. You know, she's wearing jeans and like a leather jacket as opposed to, yeah. you know, like a fancy dress or something. Uh, which... I still think that would have been good comedy, but hey, whatever. Mm. They're all a bit inconsistent with this rule, though, about the uh, the clothes switcheroo. Okay, so the way Donnie, he later on does some investigation, he comes up with the idea of equal mass displacement, which immediately doesn't make any sense because the turtles have to weigh at least like 300 pounds but ignoring (laughs) that uh they they have this idea that only two things around the same weight can change back and forth with each other however for some reason april gets to keep her sony walkman and it goes back in time with her Yep, that doesn't make much, because she's wearing that just for the clothes, so why wouldn't they yeah. still be on the other guy? Uh, and then, of course, later on, the turtles will teleport as well, and they get to keep pretty much everything they were wearing. Like, their entire outfits of their weapons and their bandanas, all of that gets to go with them. So, yeah. uh, What's notable is that... So Mikey puts on these like Hawaiian shorts for whoever he's mm-hmm. switching with, and sure enough, when the four Japanese men come into like the subway... The one of them that swapped with Mikey is wearing these shorts and he's wearing nothing else. The other yep. three are wearing all I, all I can describe this as it's as if they had like tighty whities but the tighty whities also have like a chest plate. It almost as if it was mirroring the turtles' chest, like you know, they're like the you know, the 
other we call it just it. seems like an ancient japanese like undergarment like a coverall more or less you didn't think this was intentionally mimicking the shape of like the turtle's body the, you know the, their mm. chest and like crotch area i don't think so okay i mean it might have been but i think it was more so a thing of hey clearly in ancient japan they wouldn't be wearing fruit of the loom so we just okay. need something to cover them well here's a question i have for you at the end of the movie when they travel back uh-huh. why is the guy wearing makey shorts still wearing makey shorts in feudal japan why are the other ones still wearing that same undergarment despite the fact that they should have teleported like they left that in the past it was not with them None of that makes any sense. The time travel here is not. No, but well I thought, thought the out. undergarment was still something they were wearing. I thought that's what you were suggesting. No, I don't think. I think once they got changed into normal clothes, I think that Casey probably was like, "Okay, take off that. Here's what boxer shorts are." No, no, no. I mean, when they first teleport, they've got this white thing on. Oh yeah, I was talking about the end of the movie. I thought that's what you were talking about. No, no, no. They've got this white thing on that kind of mimics yeah. the shape of like the turtle's mm-hmm. body, but it's just like white, as if it's like you know, underwear. Yeah. I, I. Again, there is no rules. They try to... That that was the most beautiful part of Leo trying to explain it, is that he was like, oh, it's equal mass displacement. And then he starts to go into a little more detail. And I think I said Leo. Donnie is explaining it. But then Leo immediately interrupts him and is just like, that, 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 I don't care. <laughs> and I feel like that was the writer just being like, if we give too much information we are immediately going to have to break these rules. So we're just going to leave it as vague as humanly possible. Very possible. April, of course, immediately is looked at like she's a witch because she's there and the son of the Lord is missing. Yep. And when she's put before the uh, the Lord, uh, her Walkman like, falls out and turns on. And mm. they all look at it like it's a demon because there's like sound coming from it. And it's, you know, it's, music, it's modern music, of course, so it sounds weird to them. It's a rhythm it's- of the night. So the, the Lord has uh, some of his men slash at it with our katanas mm-hmm. <laughs> to destroy it. Uh, and this is where we get the uh, the villain Walker hamming it up because he comes in to question April and she's and she's like, yeah, I am a witch and I can turn you into soup. And he's like, go on then. Do it! You don't <laughs> have any power! <laughs> I mean, he is... It's strange because they introduced him actually in an earlier scene where he just rides into the courtyard of the palace and it's, it's just like, hey. Yeah, it's the scene I where uh, your... the, 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 his honor guard bring the sun back and he sort of leaves the scene and then, yeah, Walker comes in with his like head gun because he's got a gun. Yeah. I, I can't guess... remember his name. Niles, that was it. Oh, yes. But yeah, the, the entire scene is basically just him saying like, hey, you've got a war going on and I've got english steel what do you want to do and that's pretty much all he is for the movie until i'd say probably the third act when all of a sudden he has this entirely different thing going on in terms of motivations which we'll get to but for most of the movie it's less that he's the villain and more that he's just an opportunist i guess i would say the movie treats him like he's the villain, though. Like, he's the one who oh, gets yeah, the no. dark music. He's the one who feels the most intimidating, you know. But in terms of actual, like, motives and things he does, it seems like the daimyo is the bigger villain to start with. Like, he... I honestly thought there was going to be a bait and switch because he offers, like, hey, let me question this woman. Let me see what she knows, and then you can do whatever you want to her. And I was like, oh, he's trying to get her out of this situation. But then the daimyo doubles down and says, no, I'm throwing her in the dungeon because I want her to suffer. 
So it seems like they're at the start making the Lord the bigger villain, despite the fact that the movie as a whole treats Walker as the main villain. So I don't know what was going on in that early bit, if it was intentional or if it was just poor writing. Probably, I kind of, because I, I kind of got the, the impression that the, the Lord is bad, although maybe not irredeemable. The idea that he, may, mm-hmm. he maybe can learn from his son and like, you know, like peace can be brought to the land, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I, I kind of took uh, Walker as the villain for a few reasons. Other than just the obvious, there's evil music and he's kind of hamming it up. Is mm-hmm. that one, he's the evil white man who's come to this land to exploit everyone. Uh, yes, I have seen Avatar. Very good. Uh, <laughs> he... You know, it, it does feel like he you know, he'll hold things back. It feels like he's always manipulating. It feels like he wants to not just make money, but later on, as the movie goes on, obviously he actually starts lying about the fact that he's got certain things, and mm-hmm. he you know it kind of becomes it feels like it's a quest for power, and he's you know, he's out for himself rather than like right. actually trying to help the Lord. You know, he's he's he'll, he'll screw him over the first chance he gets if it's going to benefit him. That's kind of the vibe that I get right from the start. Yeah, I think a thing they were trying to lean on in this movie is considering everyone is samurai is the idea of honor mm. they they mention that every once in a while of like oh you we will die here but only one of us will die with honor but if they lean on that enough then it would make sense that walker is the bigger villain out of the two because he is willing to double cross he is willing to backstab he's willing to throw people down in front of him so that he can get up higher so if that's where they were going, it makes sense that Walker is the bigger villain between the two. He also has very accurate cannons. Oh, it's... I don't know why he's even bothering making deals here. Because those <laughs> cannons could shoot the daimyo from three miles away. He he makes a ca- he, he, we see him like, test his cannon on the beach. He's got some like, uh, like dummies up uh, mm-hmm. to, to test it. And he basically fires a cannon through all the heads of the dummies. And then later on... Like, fires, a, there's a moment in the big final fight where he has a cannon aimed at Leonardo, and Leonardo, mm-hmm. to avoid it, just ducks, you know, puts, goes into his shell. He just puts his head at his shell. So the yeah. cannonball literally just goes through where his head was. And I'm like, that's very accurate for a cannon. You know, a cannon's not a, an accurate firearm where you can pinpoint your, uh, tar- no. especially this time period. Like, I buy that some modern, like, uh, not cannons, exactly but like i i mm-hmm. buy that there's a modern equivalent that has like you know computer guided like targeting and shit like that they could probably missiles. Do yeah missiles yes yeah. um but a cannon in like 1607 or whatever this is i i do want to point out yes they are wildly unaimable but he at both of those times his target was maybe like 20 feet away like it's not like he's going way for because most cannons are used as the long-range weapon. That's mm. their point, is that they can shoot things from far away and still do damage. He was literally within walking distance, and he's like, now, nah, let's see if this is going to work, and he just sets it off. Yeah. Okay. I I just... It, it struck me as odd. The first time he likes that cannon, and it just... I was like, wait, come well, the on the first now. time he likes the cannon, there's literally no reason for him to light the cannon. He just does it no. for effect. He's well, like, hey, guys, watch this. Well, that's actually one of the problems. And this is just like a, a typical trip writing thing that, that the problem with here is that that scene where he likes the cannon, um, you know, like a guy from the Lord comes and tells him, hey, like, our Lord's accepted your terms of payment, gold for guns. And mm-hmm. this bothered me because the last scene that him and the Lord were in, uh, the Lord says quite specifically, no, I will not cross that line. I will not, you know, pay you gold for guns. I will do it this, our way. And the problem with that is that 
that's okay if there's a like another reason why the lord changes his mind that's an arc that's like okay something motivates him to give in and do the thing that he said he would never do Mm-hmm. But there's no scenes with the Lord between those two scenes. We get a scene where he tells him, I will under no circumstances do what you do and use your guns and pay you gold for them. And then the next scene we see, he sent a lackey to tell him, yeah, I've, you know what, I've changed my mind. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I do feel like there are scenes cut here because the one that got to me was actually at the very end of the movie. Um, it's time for them to switch back bodies because for some reason they do like a Bill and Ted thing here where it's like, ah, yes, we, we, we can switch back with this long ago time. So long as we're both holding the thing at the same time, but we only have like 60 hours to do it. And I'm like, bro, it is time travel. As soon as you start using real time measurements, it's time travel. It should work whenever, but regardless, uh, Casey is watching over the Japanese men. And he's like, all right, everybody, time to go back to your time. And they make another Wayne's World joke of, oh, yeah, totally not. And they just stick around. And then all of a sudden they come back. There's no interstitial scene. There's nothing to say why Very true. they come back. There's just they don't want to. And then they do. Yeah, it sets up that Casey's going to have to convince them in some way. But then it just cuts to him arriving with them and saying oh there was traffic and that almost reads like it's supposed to be a funny line because we should have seen all the trouble he went through to actually get them to come back but we don't Mm -hmm. he's just he's shown up with them so again there's multiple things in this movie where like characters have changed their minds on things between scenes that we never have a reason for right they just have i mean it's it i have to assume that based off of the pacing they did intend for it to show up but then it got cut for one reason or another because get otherwise, yeah, otherwise, it's just a horrible plot hole that any competent writer should have seen. I mean, the movie, because the movie is like, it's almost 100 minutes. It's like 96 or 97 minutes. Which I is, think it's the longest one. I can't remember yeah. how long the first one was, but it's definitely longer than the second. And I wonder if that's like the thing is that maybe the, the first cut was like, you know, another 10 minutes longer and they were like oh my god this is almost an hour 50 no you can't have that like like, cut this down to get get to 90 minutes i'm sorry our target audience here are 11 year olds and we are worried they're even going to be able to get past the opening credits put in a (laughs) breakfast club scene (laughs) oh yeah because the 11 year olds will all get that reference and clap I don't know how long john hughes movies have a shelf life for breakfast club breakfast club (laughs) They're like me. I can relate. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a bit of prep where the turtles try to figure out how to go back in time, but ultimately it's just mm-hmm. hold the scepter. Four guys from the past hold the scepter. They switch. They land on horseback. Okay, but, like, the holding the scepter thing throws me for a loop. Because you're right. It should be that they all have to hold the scepter in order to go back. That's, like, a rule that's been established. But... They're all in the middle of a battle. How could all four of them be holding this scepter in the middle of this battle? Yeah, just just to clarify what David's saying here. When the turtles go back in time, they Mm -hmm. arrive on top of horses in the middle of a big fight that's happening. And it's played for comedy. You know, Mikey's on his horse backwards going, ah, you know, someone, you know, where's the steering wheel or something like that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those jokes. But yeah, were they all on horseback just holding it in the middle together for some unbeknownst reason? Yeah. And the other thing is that they keep on saying that it needs to be at, like, the same time. 
yet separated by like 400 years or whatever i mean so <laughs> we're all for that's the part that gets me is the fact that like they need to all be holding this scepter at the same time in order to teleport back to their own time period. I think what I was trying to say is that there's a window of time, kind of like, uh, I mean, it's not this, but that's just for example's sake, mm-hmm. say a full moon, right? This only works okay. during a full moon, so it has to be a full moon both in the past and the present day, and then, okay. it, you know, and maybe there's a constant, like, tether between them so that, um, so like in the TV show Dark, for example, right? There's like a time... Mm-hmm door thing right i won't get into it too much but all i'll say is is that it always takes you 33 years exactly in the past and forwards so time is moving forward in both ends always okay so should i get out the piece of paper and a pencil <laughs> to show you how wormholes work so i'm assuming that that's what it's trying to say here is that time is moving forward but in both it's not like you can just go back to an earlier time period like there's always mm-hmm. this tether that the magic staff scepter thing yeah incurs i believe the official name is time scepter time scepter right end. So, yeah. so as long as there's a window, that. if there's a window, I can accept it. That's fine. Yes. It just seemed like they always had to do it because there was a sense of urgency to it at the very end where yeah. they're like, come on, we got to go now. And it's like, okay, but... I think that's what Donnie was trying to explain earlier. It doesn't say these exact words, but I think it was something like, you know, like you have to do it whilst the Jupiter's in alignment with something or, you know, <laughs> like it was that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a window in which it works and then it won't work anymore until later you know it'll be another kind of like you know when tra- prepping to go to mars nasa is like well we have a window and then if we don't go now we have to wait another 30 okay. years because the orbits have to line up a certain way or whatever right got it so i, so I think anyway, that's yeah. what i was getting at yeah so they end up in <laughs> feudal japan and they swap with they are expecting to swap with a bunch of priests because they thought the scepter would be kept in like a holy room or something like that, but it turns out that they were bringing it on to battle as like a good luck charm. Well, I think that's where it was when uh, the son who travels first with April, uh, right. he that's where he found it. But presumably because his son went missing, and now they think the scepter's special, he's now got his honor guard guarding it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the you know three of the turtles minus Mikey. Uh, end up just sort of going looking for the you know they, they, st- they kind of stay with the army and because they've got the shogun masks on they kind of just like like it's, it's, it, the movie just pretends that no one can tell that their body shape is completely different despite the fact that it's very obvious yeah. just like, go with I, it. there was there was one guy there was a really big guy who was in charge of the, the dungeon mm. in the past and i thought that was going to be like they were just going to get four guys of that size and that was going to be who the turtles flipped with because then I could understand this 300-pound turtle swapping with somebody. But no, it's just for regular dudes. Yep. Okay. I'm glad, that that, I'm glad that that non-flexible armor somehow managed to stretch far enough for their shells. It's kind of um, that... So it's actually funny that Quantum Leap's brought up, because it's kind of a Quantum Leap rule where it's like the clothes actually change to fit the person that you've swapped with. You know, it's like they all... Because, you know, like, April's clothes magically just fit the other guy perfectly. And maybe in that case, they, they actually went for, like, a sort of slim guy because they thought, oh, that, that'll explain the mask thing. But why go to the yeah. trouble if the turtles are clearly, like you say, twice the size of anyone they're swapping with? Yeah. I'm not... Okay. At the beginning, I said that I like this plot more than the last one. 
I do want to point out, I recognize that it has many issues. I'm not saying that it doesn't. Especially I just geez. think it's I just think it's more entertaining than a lot of the last one in terms of the last one felt so broken and so non-cohesive as a plot, where this one felt very structured. Generic but structured. Yeah, but it's Swiss cheese, and I mean that twofold. I mean, it's cheesy, and it's full of holes. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah. Which, by the way, Mike is really upset that Feudal Japan doesn't have pizza. So there's, there's a lot less pizza yeah. stuff in this. There's like one joke, of course, where he tries to make pizza later mm. on and burns it. <laughs> I'm su- I really am surprised there was no scene in this movie where either Leo or Donnie didn't step up and start like critiquing them for messing with the time stream. Yeah, like there was no Doc yeah. Brown moment where they're like, you gotta stay away from your family. You can't invent pizza and show it to the Japanese before right. like it spreads from Italy. Come on now. <laughs> but no, they were just like, nah, we're just us being here is messed stuff up. Do whatever you're gonna do. Ah, except maybe not, because when before, actually before they even go, there's a yes. scroll that shows that sometime in the past, by their standards, you know, so and you know, so there's a legend that these four green demons called Kappa uh like showed to like take on the, the the establishment right so it's almost suggesting that sometime in the future the turtles will again travel back in time to further back in the timeline and set up this prophecy meaning that the turtles were always going to come back for this trip and go back home okay trivia time <laughs> okay this movie was loosely based off of a two comic arc called masks where they went back in time to feudal japan and did this thing however in the comic arc they went back to 1300s feudal japan instead of 1600s meaning it lines up with them saying hundreds of years ago this happened so i almost wonder whether or not they were saying like no the comic arc also happened here as well Okay, I think I would say that's like an Easter egg, but it's not something that's like, oh, everything that happened in the comics is officially canon in the movies. That's fair. Yeah, that, that doesn't feel right at all because it doesn't feel. I like mean, clearly, that... clearly it can't be because they didn't have like a bebop or rocksteady or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah, and it also like it feels like in the movies, like it mentions in the first movie that that first that first time where they go and save April is the first time they've went out and fought anyone, and then Turtles Two is set right after Turtles One. Maybe there's a little mm. bit of times passed between two and three, but not that much. So then here's the question. What if the Turtles movies, the trilogy as a whole, act as somewhat prequels for the comic? I mean, I've not read the original comics from the Neither 80s. Neither have I. But, but I'm just saying it would explain how you're saying at some point in the future they go back even further in time. That would say how this comic happens after the third movie. I that being to... said, I'm sure I'm sure in the comic they would have been like, hey, remember when we went back to feudal Japan that first time? And I'm sure they didn't because it came out two years prior yeah. to this movie. I know it doesn't line up properly, but I, I do think it is a little Easter egg where they're like, yeah. nah, see, they just keep going back to feudal Japan. It I'm just all... keeps happening. I'm also pretty sure the original comic probably did some of the origin at some point. Oh, yeah. So I don't think you can say the movies are pretty... I think it's an Easter egg. That's kind... It's kind of like in the same way that comic books you know because they keep keep retconning things and keep doing new uh mm. you know dc with the crisis and stuff like sometimes they just bring things back in from older timelines that don't really shouldn't be there but everyone wants them to be there this feels yeah. like just mixing things together because this is a fun nod for the comic fans I, you know but at the same time i don't think like 
it, it, this has not blown my mind. It's not made me think, oh, this plot's way more genius than I I thought it was before. You don't understand. This is the multiverse of turtles now. <laughs> I mean, do you know what? I will say this. I will say, before we go into other plot details, I will say, like, this movie's bad, and I don't like, like, I like it less than the second one, and okay. it deserves, like, kind of the reputation it has. That said, though, it's not, like... <sighs> It's still kind of watchable. There's definitely much, much worse. And there's definitely, you know, when I think of part three that completely shit the bed, or I think of just bad sequels that came later for certain franchises. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, when I compare Turtles 3 to like any Hellraiser movie after, say, the, the third one, like, this is better than all those sequels, right? This is better oh. than Hellraiser 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. <laughs> right this is better than you know pick and you know the horror is easy because you know, there's a lot of horror franchises that went yeah. with big numbers I got you. but you know this is like it's it's bad it's not good enough and it's you know there's a little bit of interest watching it now from a historical perspective to like sort of look mm-hmm. at it and sort of analyze okay this is the choices they made why did they do this in most cases it is to save money or because they hired someone who wrote a kiddie movie and didn't really care mm-hmm. about the the finer details or whatever but it's it's not it's not that bad it's it's bad in the context of the other two movies it's it's bad in the context of what you want out of it but it's not like some of the one of the worst movies ever made because maybe at the time when i saw it as a kid it was one of the worst movies i'd ever seen because (laughs) you know my my scope was smaller but having seen a lot more movies there is much much worse yeah i think that this movie like you said not bad very generic very like you, it didn't have to be a turtles movie, but I think that's why you dislike it so much more is because mm. it's not a good turtles movie. We don't have any shredder. We don't have any of the characters that we want to see. We just have the turtles dropped into a story that basically is not about the turtles at all. Yeah, which I think, like, if it was better written, I think it would get over those problems in a weird way, though. Mm. Like, see if it kind of became Seven Samurai with turtles, where it became about them making a choice to help people that, you know, they they. Yeah you know they had nothing to do with like you could do something with that and you you know i appreciate that um leo's the one who fights like the the lord you know the idea that he's the leader mm-hmm. so he takes on the one who's in theory the most skilled as a swordsman or whatever like yeah there's there's like little touches that make some sense i mean it's the bare minimum but it is there mm-hmm. I, I can see like a version of this story that's less kiddie that make it feel more impactful and they try to do something with mikey don't get me wrong this idea that mikey wants to stay in the past because he likes it better here uh it's an interesting idea that he likes the people more raf even kind of agrees with them because like you know, the first one of the first things raf points out is like hey this water looks clean like there's no there's no tires there's no beer cans it's yeah it's this is like way better than new york like why don't we stay here um and of course the the answer at the end the ultimate convincing factor is, is well if you don't go back then the people that swap with you don't get to come back here either so that's kind of unfair which that but that's what gets me though if we're just gonna go straight to this is that the guys said they don't want to go back they want to spend their time here oh sure the 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 turtles say that and the japanese guys say that but they keep on saying it as if it's this thing where like all of us have to switch or else it won't work but we know that's not true basically what it comes down to is i'm saying like Look, we can't break it. We are a group of four. If we split up across two different time periods, everything's going to hell. Well, yeah, but th- th- this is all irrelevant, what you're saying, because the Turtles and co. have no way of knowing 
that the others don't want to come back, or if some of them want to come back and some don't, then which ones want to come back and which ones don't? Like, what if That's the numbers zero. don't match up? What if, like, three people want to stay in the present, but only two turtles want to stay in the past? Like, <laughs> I, I counter that point with the point of, I mean, just full spoilers for the end here. Um, we're in spoilers, it's fine. Yeah, I just, you know, if we're doing it in order. Uh, so Mikey, you know, he wants to stay in the past. They eventually convince him not to. And he, they're, the whole teleportation thing is starting. And he doesn't actually make it. He is too late. He doesn't grab hold of April's hand. And he's stuck in the past. They show that one of the Japanese guys managed to stay. And he starts running away with the time scepter. Because he wanted to stay. He didn't want to go either. But then Mikey ends up making... Un, like they do it again and he ends up going back and changing places with the guy so clearly there was extra time where they could have easily popped back and been like hey casey did anybody want to stay because we got raf and mikey here who didn't want to go and casey be like yeah sure these guys and it's like all right cool okay sure but that, that that's interesting there's a whole other problem with that though like my, mm. my problem with this isn't the logistics of like my problem is is that one the turtles never thought about that right that the people don't get to come back to their own timeline right and they're making that choice for them uh two as soon as that's brought up you know and some of them do immediately just change like leo immediately goes oh yeah you're right like that's bullshit we can't just (laughs) like make that choice for them but my problem is is that that shouldn't be what changes mikey's mind because it's it's like an easy cop-out and yeah he has no argument for it the the arc for mikey should be that he's tempted to stay here but ultimately chooses to go back for for the right reasons which is yeah, yeah, he has to go back because otherwise, oh, yeah. other, otherwise he's never going to see Splinter again. Otherwise, he's never going to, you know, other things like this idea that this isn't really his time and he doesn't belong here is w- why you should want to leave it, not because oh, technically he's been it's a, it's been a dick move to someone else. It, I think yeah. the choice has been made for the the wrong reasons, and you know the actual like logistics of like who wants to stay and who wants to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? I guess what it comes down to me is that like both sides show that there is a sizable majority that like it where they are and they're only going back for the reasons of you know we have to like it's not at one point mikey says like ah it's destiny and i hate i hate that i don't like that idea but what makes it destiny it's just them saying yeah the turtles got to stick together that's really the only reason that mikey lands on is that yeah we i can't not go with them because we might have another movie to do <laughs> yeah i think in a larger sense though i mean the characters themselves don't say this but i would say well because you don't belong in this time period you have to go back to your time period that's yeah. just simple logic like yeah i mean yeah. you're right that's just a straight matter of fact way of it uh i think this is again this is the sort of thing where the writing could have explored why he wants to stay more so it's not just that he bonds with the kid or he kind of has feelings for uh mitsu the you know the main uh, japanese yes. character you say kind of like well i say kind of the sense that thing. it can never go anywhere because he's a turtle but like uh, the point i'm making is he has these feelings and that's kind of why he wants to stay what hmm. would be more interesting is the idea that because they have been trained you know in the way of the ninja by splinter that they actually find some appeal of staying in feudal Japan because they, like, very quickly are accepted by people. You know, there's a, there's a whole big thing in the middle where the bad guys come and they try to raid the village and the turtles fight yeah. them off. 
And ultimately, they learn to like the turtles, and they're not scared of them anymore in this this town, this village, because the little kid almost dies. Mikey risks his life to save him from the burning building, mm-hmm. which we mentioned with the the backdraft reference. And then Leo yep. gives him CPR to 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 save him, right? Because the kid's like basically dying, and Leo and they try to stop him because like, oh, he's doing some sort of weird magic thing to him. And they like, no, no, he's helping him. He's helping him. And the mm-hmm. kid, you know, wakes up, he starts coughing, and it's like, shit, okay, we, we are now friends with the turtles, and they all kind of bow to them and go down to one knee. Uh, right. And the turtles are like, okay, we don't really want to be overlords or anything, but this is a, this is better than, than wanting to kill us. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. I Honestly, I wonder if this would have been better, because they kind of split it across Raphael and Mikey. Yeah. They split the idea of staying. Raphael finds a friend in that young kid he, yeah, whose name is Yoshi. He bonds with the kid and he also finds that he, he kind of he develops a little bit as a character because the kid sort of gets angry and Ralph sa- says, hey, watch that, you know, watch that temper. And he's like, wait, did right. I just say that? Because I'm Raphael. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. I have the temper. Like, there's a little bit of growth there for him as a character. And I think right. if they explored the idea, like, why this time period appeals to them over the present day New York, um, even though, again, we have to kind of ignore the fact that there was a bit of public exposure at the end of the last movie, which is just kind of swept under the rug. We'll just ignore that. Yeah. But the fact that here they're kind of respected by at least this whole village and that maybe, oh, this could be quite peaceful living here. Um, mm. There's also a joke towards the end where someone can say, hey, but Mikey, there's no pizza here. He's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Screw all those plans. I I would, that would actually probably be the most character development he could get is if leo says that like jokingly like but there's no pizza but mikey's like you know i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah that would actually be a big character moment for him yeah um and don't get me wrong like i appreciate that making the choice because he can't he can't make this choice for the other humans right that mm-hmm. they, they won't come back instead yeah um I, there's i just think there's more of a narrative thing they could do with the characters where if they actually explored what about this time period appeals to them where you know it's less cruel than present day or it's less like uh prejudice which is actually you know incorrect from like you know i think if we actually analyze time periods it's actually no it's way more prejudice but at at the very least though because they're more superstitious in this time period they'll accept them as like beings whereas in the the present day it's like wait what sort of freak are you (laughs) like what is this in the past they i mean splinter says at the beginning that kappas which are actual Japanese mythological figures, they could either be good or bad. And so they would be, I guess, more represented in the same way of if you came across like an elf or something like that, instead of a monster, as I think they would be more represented in New York. Oh, you you mean uh, like fantasy, not like Santa's elf. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's just because we did the Santa Claus trilogy recently. That's what my mind went to. I was like, what, an elf? (laughs) Like from the North Pole? Sorry, a dwarf. Would that work better? Sure. Yeah, dwarf, elf, Mm -hmm. half, like, you know, those types of beings. Like, it would just be, the Japanese would see it as that sort of thing. It would be more mystical, more mythological, whereas they show up nowadays in New York. It's just the giant crocodile of the sewer sort of thing. Yeah. In this time period, obviously not modern day Japan. I'm pretty sure if the turtle showed up in Tokyo in 1993, uh, they'd have a similar kind of reaction to New York. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. They do have the whole Godzilla franchise going on over there. It would just be <laughs> Nilla, little Nilla Junior. <laughs> it's Godzilla's babies that have shown yeah. up. Yes, exactly. Think. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, maybe, obviously, I, I'm saying it could make more of all these things. And if it was actually this like, a good character drama at the center where the turtles are kind of questioning their existence and where they belong, that could be mm-hmm. quite good. I think it's a, a, a lot thinner than that, which is why it, it kind of boils down to what it does with Mikey uh, and to an extent yeah. Raph. Um, but so. I mean, getting getting away from the turtles and talking about, because again, this is a movie that could exist without the turtles. The part that I think actually works better is there is this, I don't want to call it political intrigue because it's not. There is just this story going on of there is a daimyo, a lord who is very cruel in some unspecified way. He's launching war against the rebels. He's enlisted the help of this English guy to give him weapons in order to wage this war. And it's just them trying to, this group of rebels, win their freedom against these overarching powers. And is it generic as hell? Of course it is. There's nothing that stands out as, oh, this is creative for this specific one. It's 100% the same cookie-cutter story that you would imagine it to be, but it is still competent in a lot of ways. It still is telling the story, as generic as it is, competently. So I think that that's where I come down as a little bit better than the second movie in that that aspect of the story, the turtles, they hit or miss on what they do. But that aspect of the story is the stronger part, I feel. Well, let's talk about another character. Then. Let's talk about uh, Wit, which is the character in the past played yes. by Elias uh, Cateus, who April, when she first sees him in the cell, is like, Casey? And he just sort of looks at her like, what? And she's like, oh, no, not quite. And then there's a joke where she looks down at a rat and goes, oh, I recognize you too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, which by the way, they kept uh, someone faints when they see Splinter for the first time yeah. gag. Uh, the first guy time travels to the future, sees Splinter and passes out. Yep, the Prince Kinshin. Yep. Uh, but he kind of like throughout is like sort of in shock of the turtles, obviously. And he's kind of like maybe infatuated with April a little bit. And he mm-hmm. at one point, you know, asks like, hey, like, can you take me with you when you go back to present day? Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, this magical land you come from. And she's like, nah, you wouldn't fit in. I mean, you kind of would, but not really. And the twist later on is that he's actually working for the villain. And mm. he steals the scepter. When they find the scepter, because it's the little kid that had it from before, uh, yep. he steals it, takes uh, uh, Mitsu at knife point back to the villain and gives him the scepter and all the rest of it. And... It's like, okay, so he turned out to be a villain and he kind of has a redemption to a point later on where the big final fight's happening and when the bad guy says, hey, shoot them and kill them all, he's like, Mm. hey, I didn't agree to that. And I'm like, there was nothing about you from before that made me think that you would have opposed that, to be honest. It's just all of a sudden you're kind of a good guy. I do think he is supposed to have had feelings for April that were Mm. real. I think that that was something that they hinted with with that take me with you like if she would have said yes i do think there would have been a thing of him like okay well i'm gonna go ahead and stop being a spy then and i'm going to go with you but obviously she said no so he just doubled down on the spy plan honestly like you know i'd been all interested to watch this i didn't really remember exactly some of the details of this going into it it kind of read to me until the villain uh walker actually said this is why i hired him and he was a plant all along I actually, it actually read to me as he wanted to go back with April, and when she turned him down, he went a bit incel and decided to like take yeah. another route instead. 
<laughs> yeah, well, in that once... case, I'm going to like make some money from turning you all in. I mean, there is a point in this movie before we find out that he was hired that it seemed like he was doing the thing of like, I'm going to get back in the good graces of my yeah yeah my my boss. Yeah. Uh, instead, he tries to kind of do a bit of a face turn towards the end, and mm-hmm. it's not even like that big a deal. Like, he, the villain just kind of says, "Well, I'll shoot you too, then." And then obviously that's when you know the good guys manage to to win. Okay. Now I just want to real quick when it comes to the villain uh, Walker. There is a point... Texas Ranger. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, there is a point where he goes up to his birdcage, and he's like, hello, little birdies, hi. And then <laughs> it's not mentioned again, and well, then at well, the very on. end of the movie... Well, hold on. Is it? Is no, hold... it? Because I missed it if it is. Well, it's not mentioned again after, but before that, it's heavily mentioned that he doesn't like kids, and that he keeps birds now instead. And then his henchman like tries to say, oh, yeah, he keeps this type of bird... And then he goes, shut up, Nails. And it's, a, it's set up at the start that he really likes his birds. Okay. Right? I completely forgot that because that was an hour between yeah, bringing no, it back that's and doing it. What I want to bring up, though, so the running gag at the end, that when he realizes that he's not going to beat the turtles, he grabs his birdcage and runs away. Mm-hmm. Or, more to the point, he runns away and then comes back and goes, oh, shit, I can't forget my birdcage. He's like, come on. Yeah. And then he does it again when he's trying to escape down the rope and he leaves the birdcage at the top of the, the castle and he's like, no, 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 my, my birdcage, damn it, not again. Yep. It's this running gag that he keeps forgetting but going back for his birdcage because he really likes his birds. And all mm-hmm. I could hear in my head through all this stuff at the end was, I want my bird. Yeah. From Iron <laughs> Man 2. My bird. I feel like Iron Man 2 was inspired by Turtles <laughs> 3. That's what I got from this viewing of this movie is I just, I, all I could see was Mickey Rourke going, I won my bird. I mean, it would explain the uh, critical reaction to both movies. So. <laughs> Iron Man 2 was not that well received. So yep. I'll give you that. You know, there's, there's um, some, some precedent. But, but the reason I bring that up is because obviously there's supposed to be some parallels, if not a straight ancestorship to Casey between Wit and Although they Casey. never mention it or bring it up. We, 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 we're, we're saying that as the audience, but it's never actually like, hey, he must be a... Like, the Turtles, I don't even think, react to the fact that it looks like Casey. Only April does. Yeah, but at the end of the movie, uh, Walker's climbing down that rope, and Wit literally does the thing from the first movie of, oops, and he flips <laughs> the flips the thing which fires a flaming ball at Walker and knocks him off the edge of his castle into the sea. He doesn't say oops, but it's the exact same motion. He flips a lever and it happens. But the sentiment of him pretending that he didn't isn't there. That's Because that's that's, that's what the oops is. The oops is like, oops a daisy, I did that. (laughs) That sentiment's not there, but I I see the comparison. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, one piece of trivia I did want to bring up is... Obviously, we have the wit thing. It may be a ancestor to Casey. On the scroll that showed the hundreds of years ago when the turtles mm-hmm. first showed up, we get a very quick glimpse of someone who appears to be Shredder or wearing at least the Shredder armor mm. is on there. And then additionally, the kid's name that Raph takes a liking to is Yoshi, which happens to be the name of the sensei that Splinter trained with. Okay. That's all. I'm just saying there's a lot of ancestor stuff going on here where it's like maybe all of this stuff filters okay. down into the future. Well, and in, in the in the in the modern IDW comics, right? Um hmm. like 
Splinter was actually from feudal Japan time, right? It wasn't something that happened just before. There was, okay. there was actually, it was built into the story that that was kind of the time that it was from. And same with Shredder. And there's some mystical stuff, reasons why, I can't remember exactly now, but like there were some mystical reasons built into the story as to why, So because in, in the, the, the modern comics, Splinter mm-hmm. actually had four sons that were killed, right? And right. to him, the turtles are kind of like the reincarnations of his four sons. So they sort of That's build right. in more stuff. You said that he, in the modern stuff, yeah. is a guy who became rat-like. Yes, yes, yes. Or at the okay. very least, he was reincarnated into a rat or something to that effect. Got it. Um, so that makes some sense to me. And mm-hmm. like, but his first name is Yoshi here, right? So it's not like this is the like the ancestor of the guy who trained Splinter. I, mean, I, I guess mean, I guess that's what they're going for, but like it doesn't really make yeah. that much sense. It doesn't, but it, I just thought it was interesting to bring up because, like you said, the turtles don't mention anything about the Casey ancestor looking no. like Casey. So it's interesting that they used they reused names and imagery that we have already seen before in terms of do you wonder, Yoshi and Shredder. Do you think if this is just another case of this was actually in there and they cut it all out? Uh, possibly. I mean. It definitely would be something that could be completely cut out without any impact on the plot. Yeah, like just a couple of scenes where they react to things, they talk about who the kid might become or something. Yeah. You know, you just have Raph being like, you know, my dad knew someone named Yoshi too. <laughs> Great impression. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, that is one thing I forgot to bring up earlier because we zoomed by it so fast. Uh, I'm not sure I like Corey Feldman as the voice of Donatello. Oh really? You're, you're, so he he came back. He returned. Yeah, his triumphant I, I, return to the franchise. I think I just he did it really gravelly, like sure. much almost. It was almost more of a Wrath voice for me than it was a Donatello voice. But yeah, I don't know. I just I'm more used to the being closer to the way Mikey sounds. I guess more nasally, more up there. Yeah. Um. I mean, as far as, I mean, what did the big loss over? Obviously, uh, Mikey right into the villain we mentioned earlier. Mm. Uh, the villain basically saying, hey, you've got all these demons running around now, so what if, uh, you know, you use my guns? That sort of feeds out of the plot. Uh, the henchman that he has obviously encounters the turtles a few times. They give him a wet willy. They do it again when they raid the small village. So at the end of the movie, when they say, hey, you know what time it is? He's like, and he just does his, he wet willies himself because... Right. It's been established. Rule of threes. It's a dumb joke, but it is set up and paid off. So whatever. Yeah. One strange little side plot in the middle is they figure they can't actually find the time scepter again, so they plan oh, on just is... making a new one. This is so stupid. But it, yeah. I like I agree with April so much because it's like oh they've drawn up schematics to build a new one. I'm like okay, you can build a scepter that looks like it, but the magic that actually makes it work as a time travel device it isn't going to just <laughs> like happen because you've got like some blacksmith to put it together. But it's feudal times. <laughs> yeah, but even in this time period, the scepter's like old, right? It came from a different yeah. time. It was inside of a statue that the guy broke, so clearly it's been sealed for a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's super ancient. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that was just kind of silly. Yeah. Uh, well, it was silly in the fact they even thought about it, but then they did end up making it, and then they just immediately broke it. Do you know what? Actually, now I'm thinking about it. The whole thing that Raph has where he kind of befriends Yoshi 
and he wants Shoshi to be a kid and not just like be a fighter. You know, he was like, no, you don't, you don't worry about the fighting. You 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 have a childhood. You have fun. You have a kid. And he, he makes him a yo-yo. He's like, hey, I'll show you how to use this tomorrow. And Yoshi's like, no, you might die tomorrow because the fight's in the morning. Dude, Yoshi was dark. I know. But, like, <laughs> I, but I was thinking to myself, uh, uh, on, on, on the subject to this, I was thinking, you know, this would actually be quite good if like, when Raph went back at the end, they said they set up the idea that, you know, Raph and Splinter have got a little bit of, you know, because because Raph's always, betra- you know, not betraying him, but like always storming out. Storming out. He's always like challenging his word. He's always been a yeah. little disrespectful. Maybe if Raph at the end of the movie, like had a moment with Splinter where he'd learned like, hey, you know what? Like I actually had to be a bit of a father figure for like a day. Right. <laughs> and I've kind of, le- you know, realized how much of a dick I am to you. So, you know, sorry. Like, you know, Again, there's like an arc there that maybe they could have like tied in more to like his splinter in this movie. Like, there's like one moment where he shows a little concern that his sons may not come back, and it's really just him. It's just the music playing as he like looks down and looks kind of yeah. sad. But other than that, like Splinter's just there for comic relief. This movie, there's not there's almost nothing else to him. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say he does anything really comical either. Well, he puts the lampshade in his head at the end to cheer up Mickey. I mean, yeah, but that's just at the end of every movie. I was waiting for him to say, like, I still make more funnies. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, okay, Splinter. What I thought was really weird is that the credits started rolling before the, the other turtles came. Like, they, they start yeah. rolling as Mikey's, like, walking up the stairs towards the other turtle. I'm like, I get that you want the, the credits to play as they're dancing, but they've not even revealed that they're dancing yet. He's just kind of, like, I don't know. It felt like they came in a bit early. It's like, it's like, it's like yeah. they want to wrap up the movie. It's like they were shaving, like, an extra 30 seconds by having the credits start during the last scene. The only thing I could think is that they wanted to have, like, some of the credits in front of the freeze frame or something like that. Okay, that's And it was just too much to do in front of just the freeze frame. And so they were like, okay, well, we'll we'll just play up to that moment. Or what I think is even more likely is that they, you know, they tested it. They put it out for audiences and they were like, hey, uh... It seemed like the movie should have ended when Splinter made his joke, and then you just kept going for a while, and it kind of felt like the movie was never going to end. And they were like, oh, okay, well, we'll just, as soon as Splinter makes his joke, we'll just start the credits, so you know you can pack up your popcorn and sodas. Yeah, I, it just felt a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, they just, you know, they go to the, the fortress to get the scepter back, <laughs> and they fight. There's a big yep. fight scene. The turtles all have moments. Uh, Leo cuts off the emperor, or sorry, the lord's like hair, because uh, the the lord's like, oh, finish me off. And Leo takes out his two swords and does a cross motion, like he's going to chop off his head, and yeah. then he just chops off his ponytail. And it's like, ah, okay, of course, because the turtles they don't kill, right? They're heroes. Yeah, that was I, I was actually very concerned about that for a moment. If we were just going grim dark, because <laughs> the guy says like, do it, finish me, and he's like okay and he gets a sword right like, instead the lord yes. gets trapped by the big bell which went then later when leo ducks the cannonball the cannonball hits the bell and we get the lord popping his head up because the, the cannonball hits the top of the bell so the, the lord pops his head up and he's got his hair all up and, and like suit in his face like a, a cartoon like explosion they, they reference some celebrity i think it was don king yeah that was, that was the other yeah yeah <laughs> so many I- pop culture references I would have liked, just as a thing of a tiny little throwaway, wouldn't even impact the plot, is having the prince inherit the throne and trying to make peace between him and the rebels. Because mm. obviously he's in love with uh, Mitsu. 
have him inherit the throne because his father is literally death. Because they <laughs> they fired a cannonball while he is inside of a giant metal bell. He should have his eardrums destroyed. That, that's fair. That's fair. But instead, at the very end of the movie... I mean, I'm not the, convinced he would survive at all, but yeah, assuming he you could survive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, at the end of the movie, they just have uh, Kinshin return. He sees Mitsu. The Lord is brought in and like thrown down to the ground by the rebels. And then... I think they give him back the time scepter and then kiss. I don't think anything else even happens. Yeah, with that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think um you know, I appreciate that Donnie is like the one turtle who doesn't even contemplate like wanting to stay in this time period because he's like, No, oh, yeah. like I'm a scientist in the like, electronics. Like, there's no way I'm staying here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need circuit I, boards and shit. I think it makes sense that the two they picked as one to stay made sense because yeah. donnie obviously he needs future stuff and leo i think leo's just too devoted to splinter to yeah. ever consider staying away and he's honorable uh, and all the rest of it i think yeah. maybe one of the things you could have done i mean april gets more to do in this in the last one don't get me wrong but i think one of the things you could have done to give her like more of a kind of impact character wise on the turtles is maybe have her be the one to kind of like talk raf into why he needs to come back to her time because maybe she could even if it's something as simple as like no, but we need heroes in the future, and without you guys, like you know, like think of all the things you've stopped, like in New yeah. York already. Like you, you're my hero. I need you there. Like you know, like something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's broad, yeah. but it works. Literally, her only thing she threw out there was like, "Okay, I'm leaving. You're welcome to come with." Yeah, and I that's pretty go much home. all she says. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do. There's several points in this movie where I think they're trying to play with how the time travel works, and the one thing they said was. Uh, I think they like accidentally swallowed a frog or something and they made the joke of hope it wasn't an ancestor, which I don't think that's how evolution works, but <laughs> that's just me. But the other one that got me was... Um, well, Makey just... does make some jokes about how uh, when he first gets freed, he, he, he jokes to the bad guys that he's a, a princess who's been turned into... That's right. A turtle. I remember that. So give me a, big, give me a big pucker up and give me a kiss to set me yeah. free. Um, but then someone makes the offhanded mention right there at the end of uh, whether or not, I think it's whether or not if they die in this period, will they ever be born in the future period? Which is stupid because, well, yeah, yeah absolutely. of course of course, you'd still be born because you, you would just travel back to this time and die. This is the yeah. end of your story. That's fine. <laughs> Which I, they just threw it out there and it wasn't even played as a joke. It seemed like they were seriously like, laying that as a question for a second and then just yeah that doesn't make any sense yeah that was just a dumb dumb line um yeah what they could have done is if they realized that maybe yoshi was going to be the ancestor of the person who trained splinter is like oh if we let him die does that mean that splinter will never be trained and therefore will never exist they could have done something with that if they wanted to but true i feel like that would require a whole scene from leo basically stating not leo donnie saying whether or not this is a branching timeline or a oh yeah okay single loop thing i don't think like, this movie was ever interested in getting into the time like mechanics i need the multiverse of turtles god damn it. i don't think they were ever interested i guess the only other thing we didn't really talk about is all the antics that the uh the japanese guys in the present day get up to uh yes they, 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 they try to rebel at one point and then casey just turns on the tv to show them hockey and they're just like enamored with this magic box that has people in it uh, and then yep. he takes them to a bar where they're playing uh, video games in the arcade machine. And yep, 
That's which honestly yeah. that that came out of nowhere because they were in the den for the longest time. Yeah, and then Kenshin's like, "I need to go home now. Mitsu needs me," and then Splinter reveals that they went down to the bar. And it's like, okay, maybe we should have had. That's the plot that I feel was cut down the most. This probably. may have been like. If you're saying there was 10 extra minutes, I imagine two minutes of it probably was devoted to a couple extra turtle scenes, and then the remaining eight would be explaining what these guys are doing in their fish-out-of-water story. Yeah. Casey tries to get him to play hockey with him as the goalie, and mm -hmm. when he says, do what you saw on TV, they all just start fighting, and that's that's the joke, is that hockey's just yeah. a bunch of guys fighting. Which, okay, it's, it's a simple joke. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, the... I think there was a good... I would say like 45 minutes where we didn't cut back to them at all. Oh yeah, it goes a long time. Uh, yeah. In fact, that scene in the bar where they're playing the video game machine is actually really near the end. Like it's mm -hmm. very close to the the climax of the movie when we see that. So yeah, uh, I don't think I have much more to add. It, it's, it's just a very yeah. generic direct-to-video style movie that happened to be theatrically released. The animatronics and the faces for the talking are so much worse than the previous movie. Now... Maybe it's just because they are worse. Did the turtles always have such big teeth? I don't think they were as noticeable before. I think okay. they were either they were further back or something. But yeah, it feels like they were really on show in this movie. Yeah. So you got that problem. You've got a villain who's hamming it up, who is so much less interesting, at least in terms of presence and visuals, as the Shredder. You could argue, yeah, the second movie diminished his impact a lot, but you compare it to Shredder in the first movie. Like this is. You know, yeah, nothing. the villain is definitely a lot less than the idea of Shredder, of what Shredder should be. Yeah. But he is. By the time you get to their babies, I'm like, ah, eh, all right, well, yeah. But at least the same guy. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know if I completely agree with that, but hey, I mean, he doesn't. That's the thing. His name is Walker. He's just a businessman who's on a horse. Like, there's nothing specifically menacing about him, especially when you take into account. The whole thing with the Ninja Turtles is mostly ninja-based stuff, like samurais and whatever. It would have been much cooler to have, like, essentially the Black Knight version of a samurai be their, like, final foe. But in the end, it's just some dude who likes birds and has guns. I want so, me yes, bird. Iron Man 2. <laughs> I want my bird. Give me my boyd. All right, rate the movie, then. I think we're, I think we're done. I always say it as <sighs> Terminator. Turtles 3. Turtles 3, I know I said that I liked it more than the last one, uh, but I do recognize that it has some issues. I recognize that it has a lot of stuff missing from it, and it's just kind of, like you said, Swiss cheese. So I'm actually going to rate it the same I gave the last one as a 6. While I don't think that it is much worse than the last one in terms of overall quality, it does falter in probably the same amount of categories as the second one did. So 6 for me. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, 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 for for me, this is. Uh, I think I got to go with a five. Okay. Uh, that's what feels right to me. Uh, I think there's much worse than it. I know some people uh, may think that's actually too high, and I can I can kind of see why, but I've just seen much worse. Like that. That's yeah. to me. This is a really bland, generic sequel that it does feel connected to the others it's still you know you still got a lot of the same voices it still feels like the turtles mm -hmm. but it's just like a really crappy plot idea to me and you know obviously yeah it's based on a two-issue comic arc but um 
it's different when you have a lot of issues of a comic. You can do, like, weird things for an issue here or there. This yeah. is the third movie, and we're doing this weird time travel feudal to Japan plot that, you know, it, maybe if it was taking itself a bit more serious and it had, like, actual good character arcs for the Turtles, I could maybe get behind it, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it scratches a surface and no more, and it's just kind yeah. of unfulfilling. And I think the real test is, is that I find it unfulfilling as an adult. I found it unfulfilling as a kid like as a kid yeah. this was like, super disappointing this one that's the thing is i i'm coming in this purely as an adult not having any connection to the turtles as a child i feel like it would be extra disappointing to be a turtles kid yeah so i am going to give this a five and it's scraping a five like i was really tempted to go lower but yeah, i'll i'll give it the five so All that right. is teenage mutant ninja turtles three next time we will be jumping ahead to the next live-action Turtles movie, which is the one from 2014, produced Ooh. by Michael Bay and directed by, I think the guy who did Underworld, which I hate. So, <laughs> good luck with that. Again, I have nothing to do with this one. Though, uh, real quick, jumping in, I just assume this doesn't make the cut. Oh, sure. Uh, or are you going that extra level? Am, am, am I going down to... Uh, Cut your losses. I think it's bordering on cut your losses. To be honest, if we have, if if you're bordering, I think it's still just cut from the collection. Okay, I sure. Think that it's... Okay, sure. So this is an average between us. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, now we're not skipping over the 2007 animated the CGI movie. That is one mm-hmm. we're, we're going to do later in the year when the new animated movie's coming out. That'll be kind of go yep. with that as a sort of back to back week thing. But. um yeah, so we're going to the the next live action movie though, which was Oh boy. Yeah. So Megan Fox, all that stuff. I've only ever seen the first like ten minutes of it, maybe fifteen minutes. So this... I've seen whatever was included in the trailers. That's fair. Well Arnett's <laughs> in it as well. Yep. Uh yeah, I'm just I'm just looking up who the director was because I remember being someone that I didn't like. Jonathan Liebsman. What did he do? Battle Los Angeles. Oh no. There you go. <laughs> Darkness Falls. I gave that movie a two out of ten. Right? Oof. Oh god, this guy, yeah, this guy's a hack. This is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The beginning. Oh, that movie's dreadful as well. I give that like a three oh, out of ten. Oh. Well, it's okay. Most recently, he directed four episodes of the Halo TV show, which was always critically renowned. Oh yeah, people love that thing. Oh yeah, this guy's an absolute like. Michael Bay would be better. <laughs> Like, Michael Bay directing it would not be good. I wouldn't like it, probably. But it would be better than Jonathan Leesman. Leesman's a, a complete, absolute turd producer. He I'm makes, just checking. He makes turds. Uh, well, he's only on for the one. We have a different person directing the sequel. So. Oh, maybe the second one's better, I don't know. Uh, he did <laughs> Darkness Falls, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning, Battle mm-hmm. Los Angeles, Wrath of the Titans, which I've not seen, but I've heard it was oh. even worse than the first one. Yeah, it wasn't great. Oh, this God. Is, this, this guy's this track is record is... The sequel to Ring. He did Rings. No, that's not that. That's not that? No, different ring. because Rings came out in, like, 2018 or something like that. Oh, okay. A team... No, it says Samara Morgan's... I think it was a different... It's a short. Sorry, it was a 15-minute short. Okay. short. Yeah, because there was Ring, the Ring 2, and then Rings, which is the third one, didn't come out until, like, 2018, so... So what we're looking at here is he's directed 10 things and you don't like about like half of them. I've either, well, there's three of them that I've seen and hate. Mm. Is it three? 
Darkness Falls, Texas Chainsaw Beginning. No, I've not seen that. I just know its I reputation. Haven't. So I've seen two and think they're absolute garbage. And then and the rest have bad reputations. Have very bad reputations. And in particular, oh Wrath of the Titans, I saw Clash of the Titans and thought it was trash. And I heard people say that that was worse. So yeah. I'm not expecting well, good things next week. That's all I'm saying. Cowabunga, dude. Mm, this is oh no oh no oh no <laughs> oh god guys come on <laughs> well we'll see you for uh the 2014 teenage mutant ninja turtles next time uh mm-hmm. let us know what you thought of Te- teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 in the comments below uh, or on twitter uh, at screams midnight uh, or of course you can uh, get in touch in a variety of ways um email mftvquestions at gmail.com i never bring that up anymore i always forget to bring that no, up no you don't what uh, but you can access that if you like. Uh, but of course, you can support all the content by going over to patreon.com slash TV and getting bonuses for your trouble. Uh, the first tier has a bonus episode at the $3 tier. You get a, a movie that ties into the theme. Uh, this month, we did the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie. Uh, and at the $5 tier, you get the second bonus, which is uh, the Extra Reels uh, bonus, yep. which is us doing some really goofy B-movie. We did Miami Connection, uh, for this month January. or for last month sorry yes yeah. this month we did Deadly Prey yes which we've not recorded yet but I know it'll be out maybe it's by either great or awful or yeah. both we don't know yet but uh, check that out uh, and alternatively you can get those at different tiers on the YouTube members as well as an alternative if you mm-hmm. want to but you can support us that way uh, you can support us for free by liking subscribing rating the podcast on your audio podcast app of choice most people use itunes but whatever you use give us a good rating mm-hmm. share us out amongst people and lastly i'll just thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you very much to tyler hess sandy palacios david no not that one board now christopher moy david brown and al Treisman. so thank you very much the secret is it's me <laughs> i all? have to pay to be here that, that's not true but there's another David. <laughs> I could have just switched to the other David, but I wasn't thinking quick enough. You could enough. have, yeah. I wasn't thinking quick enough. That's, you know, whatever. Yeah. David okay. David asked not to be thanked on this show, specifically. I just thought it would be weird uh, that yeah, you're thanking me while I'm here. It's weird, yes. Uh, yeah. the, the actuality is, is he's at a higher tier that makes Connor read a comic book on the comic book podcast, yep. which is just... So he likes torturing Connor as the real... Uh, I've been doing it for the better part of, like, a decade now. I don't see myself stopping. <laughs> very, very, very good. Very good point. Anyway, that is us. That is the show. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies. And, uh, well, you used the Adams Family, so I can't use that. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Um, frisbee also good. Yeah.